0: Would you continue to stand as I introduced our senior pastors, Pastor Morocco, Pastor Colleen. I've had to sort of trim my introductions because I just end up weeping and crying and stuff. But I, I think I'll just say this. I was on the other side of the congregation and I was shaking hands with somebody who's been a part of our church for eight years. We were overwhelmed because of what God's done in eight years, just in us individually. And so oftentimes in churches, there's pastor after pastor, people bounce around. And I'm just thankful for the price that you've paid, Pastor, because it's made a way for us to serve God. and I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Would you please put your best hand together for Dr. James and Pastor Colleen Morocco? Come
1: on. Praise, oh, come on, let's praise Jesus. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, we give you glory, honor, praise, hallelujah. Well, you got to make me feel at home. Aloha. Aloha. Ah, now I'm at home. Amen. You may be seated. What a joy to be with you on a Monday night. I wish I could have been here on a Sunday night or some other time, but you came on a Monday night, and I want to thank you for coming and being with us tonight. It's a special night. I try to visit some of our major extensions every Christmas season. We tried to do a big Christmas banquet, but we couldn't find a place big enough for our church. Now, that's a good problem. Somebody say amen. But one day we'll have a building that'll be big enough. Somebody say amen. So we're believing for that. But I've been coming for a number of years, and my wife wasn't able to come. But this year, ah, oh, praise Jesus. The Lord did a miracle, and she was able to come. Would you welcome Pastor Colleen?
2: Hallelujah. I come over here where I can see everybody. Oh, it's good to be here. It's so much fun to be here. Oh my, it's been a while. Pastor, do you remember how long? Three, four years, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's just so awesome to be here, seeing the excitement and the growth and the uh, going forward <laughs> in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Well, I want to tell you a little chicken story real quick. Okay. Uh, uh, my, I have an ag land. And so, you know, if you don't have agriculture of some sort, you get in really big trouble. So, I had sheep, and that didn't work, and I had goats, and that didn't work. And so now we got chickens. Now, Pastor, do you tell chicken stories? Do you tell? You got some chicken stories? How many know that saying, why did the chicken cross the road? Have you ever figured that out? Has in, ever anybody ever answered you? I mean, it's c- kind of a joke, right? Why did the chicken cross the road? Well, we in our house, in our place, there are more chickens than just my chickens that run loose in... Uh, around our neighborhood and so we're driving and I hit a couple of them why did the chicken cross the road I don't have a clue he did it right in front of me and I wasn't expecting it but anyway um the other night we're driving home and one of our roosters I think it was one of our roosters I'm not real sure but he was he was running in front of us now it's just before it's it's just before dark so you know this time for them to really sort of start bedding down i don't know what in the world this rooster was doing up there it's so stupid he and, and you know as soon as he saw our car he starts running out in front of us and so we're slowing down and we're watching this stupid rooster and the rooster is running in front of us now come on get off to the side i honked I was courteous, <laughs> and, and so it like it, it like it started to the right, and then, no, 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 and then it started to the, and, then, and you could see it going, and going <laughs> which way do I go? Well, that's why the chicken crosses the road, because he cannot make up his mind. I like this side. No, I like this side. No, I like this side. No, I like this side. Oh, this side is better. Okay. And so I figured it all out. Chicken crosses the road because he can't make up his mind which side he likes better. More better, like we say in Maui. More better. So, okay. So anyway, I said, well, Lord, what does this teach us? Because he always got a lesson for me. I don't know about you guys, but he teaches me this way. Sort of simple for me to understand. (laughs) Because because a double-minded man will never receive anything. Don't expect to be blessed if you're double-minded. Oh, I can't make up my mind. Oh, the world says this. Oh no, God's word. Oh, oh. Uh, uh. Eventually, you're just gonna get smashed. I just gotta tell you right now, there ain't no way I can stop quick enough. <laughs> Follow Jesus. do no be like the chickens. Hallelujah.
1: Where glory. You got some revelation tonight. Hallelujah. Hey, let's stand. Let's get into the word together. Amen. Got a good word for you tonight. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. We're going to read two verses, verse 18 and 19. And uh, let's read the word of the Lord together. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies, and I thank you for this moment. I thank you that on a Monday night there are hungry people in Wasilla, Alaska, that have come to receive your word. I thank you for a mighty church you are raising up in this area. Come on, people, pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the living God, I'm asking that you would come. and Come upon me. Let there be an apostolic anointing that would be released in this house. I pray for an impartation tonight. I pray, oh God, that you would move in power and in might. You would give us revelation. Lord, I ask for eyes to be open, ears to be open, hearts to be receptive. I pray, Holy Ghost, you'd come on this congregation and you'd come on me and give me great liberty in preaching. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was 1995. Tangible presence of God came into the sanctuary at King's Cathedral in Maui. We'd had a week of meetings with Brother Rodney Howard Brown, the first time he'd been with us, and um, every night, God's presence was very, very thick in the house. So thick, my wife was drunk the entire week. She was drunk in the Holy Ghost. I'd be sitting here in the front, she'd be sitting next to me, and before I knew it, she was on the floor weeping, then out. People would get up to testify and they couldn't talk. They'd fall out. One night I couldn't find any of my pastors. They were all out under the power. People would laugh. People would cry. People would run around the building. It was an awesome time. One of my pastors was stuck to the floor for five hours. Couldn't get up. I was sitting where Pastor Daniel was sitting on the front row like that. I didn't feel a single thing. Not a single thing. And I thought, well, this is wonderful. I'm glad my people are getting blessed, but I guess it's not for me. Just before the Friday night service, we were coming to the end of the week of meetings. Brother Rodney came to me and said, you know, I'm going to have you pray for people. I thought he meant that he was going to pray for people, but I'd stand next to him. You know, I'd kind of hitchhike on his anointing. And... Um, because every night he'd line people up in hundreds. The place was completely full. Hundreds would line up to receive a touch from God. <clears throat> and Invariably, when he laid hands on them, they'd all fall out under the power. So the end of the service came. And then Brother Rodney gets up and he makes this announcement. He says, I'm not going to pray for anybody tonight. Pastor Morocco's going to pray for everybody. And I'm sitting there going... This is the end of my ministry. Because <laughs> I'm going to get up there, lay hands on people, nothing's going to happen. They're going to go, is that it? I go, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was over. It was all over. I slowly walked up to the stage. It's a high stage. and You know, you're put on the spot, you really don't know what to do. So I walked down. I remember there was a lady standing here, they were lined up both sides, and in the center of the sanctuary, all the way around the back, probably just hundreds of people, hundreds lined up. I took the last step down like this, reached my hand out like this. I never touched the lady, but when I reached my hand out and took that last step, the power of God hit her and she flew. And at that moment, I experienced the glory of God in a way I'd never experienced before. My knees buckled. My heart began to palpitate. I thought I was going to die of a heart attack. You know, people say, oh, I want to feel your glory. No, you don't. No, you don't. It'll kill you. And at that very moment... I absolutely thought I was going to die. I'd never felt that way in all my life. I'd been filled with the Spirit. In fact, listen, I was born in Calcutta, India, with two Pentecostal midwives helping my mama birth me into the world, and they were speaking in tongues. You can't get any more Pentecostal than that. (laughs) But that night, I experienced the glory of God as power. And I remember not knowing what to do, so I ran this way. And as I ran, people fell out under the power like dominoes. And all I remember is the evangelists crying out, Ushers, because they were falling so fast, nobody was, pick- nobody was there to catch them. I was so overwhelmed, I went up to Brother Rodney, I said, I quit, I'm dying, I can't handle this. And Brother Rodney, if you know him, he's from South Africa. He doesn't take no for an answer. So he had two pastors grab me, one on both arms and Take me to the next row and the next row. And a lot of incredible things happened that night. I won't tell you the whole story. But I remember, it's funny, because the next morning I thought, you know, I'd like to see the video of what happened. So I put the video in, except there was one problem. Well, I happened to walk by the TV cameras. The power of God was so strong that all the television camera people fell out under the power, and all you see is the ceiling from that point on. Never touch them, just the power of God, like a wind. That night, I experienced the glory of God as power. Awesome power. And you, as a church, you're moving into a time as you're beginning to experience the glory of God as power. It will increase, it will grow. The only problem with experiencing the glory of God is power. It'll kill you. But that's okay. It's a wonderful way to die. <laughs> but you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, wait a minute. And all of us have had experiences in God. You can't really even be a part of a church like this without having a times. Awesome experiences with God where you just weep before the Lord. You cry and you feel his presence, his power. We've all had those moments. But how do we experience the glory of God every day? Every day. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Because we see something very unusual in the life of Moses. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's had a traumatic, traumatic time. You say, what's happened? Well, he came into covenant with God on Mount Sinai and so did the people. They all said, God, you're going to be our God. We're going to be your people. They made covenant. They even ate with God. And God gives them the commandments on tablets of stone that he wrote with his own finger. Gives it to Moses. But the tragedy of it is while... Moses is up on the mount. The people are below worshiping a golden calf. And Moses interceded because God said, I'm going to wipe them all out. Moses intercedes and then Moses goes down. And he is so angry that he takes the tablets of stone and he breaks them. He takes that golden calf. He grinds it down to dust and throws it into the water and makes the people drink. They had gold dust in their teeth. And because so many were out of control, over 3,000 were killed that day. Now, it's after that event, Moses now comes up before the Lord. And you can get this sense, Moses has been traumatized. And he's saying, God, show me your glory. It was a cry from a desperate man. Who desperately needed God. In a very special way. Now the amazing thing is two things are seen in this text that declare the glory of God. I want you to look first at verse 19. It says, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. What in the world is God doing there? For God to reveal his name to Moses was a very, very important moment because God was saying, I'm coming into a personal relationship with you. Remember about 50 years ago when you were young and I was young, you never called anybody by their first name. You always said Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, or ma'am, or sir. The only people you could ever call by their first name was people you knew. That you were in relationship with. You would be disrespectful. To call somebody. Especially somebody older than you. By their first name. And in ancient cultures. There was a tremendous concept of honor. Hopefully one day we'll get back to that. But for God. To give Moses his name. Was saying. Moses, you have my attention. It's like a king who gives his signet ring to his chief minister and says, you make whatever law you want and seal it with my ring. That's what God was doing with Moses. And he gave Moses his name. When I was working on my doctorate years ago, I had to learn Koine Greek and I had to learn Hebrew. One of the most embarrassing moments in my life was when I was in Hebrew class because um, the professor, to be sure that we were learning the language, would make us read the Hebrew Bible out loud in class. So he would assign a passage and you'd have to stand there and you'd have to read it. Well, I was reading it in Hebrew and I made a horrible mistake. I attempted to pronounce a word that was unpronounceable. You say, you mean it was unpronounceable? Yeah, because it was four consonants, Y-H-W-H. And I should have known it was unpronounceable, but dumb me, I tried to pronounce it, and it really was humiliating. It sounded like this. (laughs) I was in shock because when you see those four consonants, what you're supposed to say is Adonai. That's the name for God. Adonai is the word Lord. And those four consonants, all the vowels have been removed. Why? So nobody would pronounce the name of God. You say, I thought the name of God was Yahweh, or I thought the name of God was Jehovah. No, 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 no. All that has been done as scholars have put vowels between those four consonants. And some have suggested it was Jehovah. Some have suggested it was Yahweh. But you don't really know. Moses knew. You say, wow, pastor. God proclaimed his name to Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I got some good news. Oh, well, I'm glad you're so excited. I said, I've got some good news. No, 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 you didn't get it. I said, I've got some really, 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 I mean really, really, really good news. In John 17:11, Jesus is praying. And listen to what he prays. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? What's his name? Jesus. And it's at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. Sickness goes in the name of Jesus. Life comes in the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Growing up in a Christian family, there were many a time we were in crisis and my mom and dad would cry out, Jesus, 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 and Jesus would intervene. Friend, we can experience the glory of God every day when we declare his name. Wow. You see, Jesus is the invisible God made visible. Paul writes in Colossians 2, In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. <laughs> never forget, I was trying to witness this to some Baha'is. You know, Baha'is have their heresy of Islam. And they just kind of believe that there are many mirrors to God. And, of course, the, for them it was Baha'u'llah. And uh, they're saying Jesus is a mirror, Muhammad's a mirror, and, but Baha'u'llah is the greatest. And I said, well, no, 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 I'm sorry. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say Jesus is a mirror of God. We're mirrors of God. We reflect his glory. He's God. In him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He claimed to be the I am, the very God that spoke to Moses at the burning bush. No, 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 no. When you declare the name of Jesus, you're declaring that God has come. And you know him. And you know him personally. And better than that, he knows you. And not only that, The most amazing thing is that he loves you. Now that's a miracle. And every time you name the name of Jesus, you are declaring the glory of God. But there's a second thing you'll notice about declaring the glory of God or experiencing the glory of God every day. And that is that when God revealed himself to Moses, look at what the text says. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now what in the world is that about? All my goodness to pass in front of you. I mean, hello. You're, I've asked you to show me your glory, and you're having all your goodness pass in front of me. What's up? I, you know, I would think you would have had me see heaven. I, I would have thought you'd have me see you creating the worlds, the universe all my goodness will pass in front of you. Why in the world would God's glory be seen by him passing before Moses his goodness? I want you to track with me a moment. Have you ever noticed in scripture how over over and over and over and over again the goodness of God is declared? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you hearing me? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. The Lord is good to all. Why? Why does the scripture over and over and over again affirm his goodness? Why does God reveal his goodness to Moses as an expression of his glory? In fact, when you read scripture, you realize only God is good. Paul says in Romans 7, no good thing exists in me in my fallen human nature. We've we've got it all messed up. We've got people saying, oh, well, if you just look inside you, you'll find goodness. No, you won't. You'll find a sewer is what you'll find. We're fallen. We're cracked. You say, "Well, we, we have moral emotions, we have we want to do good, yes, we do. but that's because we were made in the image of God, but we 're fallen. God alone is good then. So, why does he? Reveal his goodness to Moses. Why why is that such a big deal? I think it starts back in Genesis. Because you'll notice in Genesis 1, when God created the world, he created it good. It says, very good. Everything. But something happened when you get a little later on in Genesis, and you read the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and there in the garden was a serpent. And that serpent, interestingly enough, is defined in the book of Revelation as none other than Satan. The ancient serpent, it says. Now look at what Satan attempted to do. Did you know what he did? He attempted to distort the picture of God to Adam and Eve. He's doing that in your life today. The first thing Satan says to Eve is... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? What in the world was Satan doing there? You know what he was doing? He was trying to paint a picture that God was unreasonable. God wanted them to starve. God didn't want them to eat of anything. He just threw that out. He was trying to put a question in Eve's mind about the goodness of God. And she, of course, defended God and said, no, we can eat of everything except for this one tree. And then the serpent accuses God of lying to Adam and Eve and says, you will not really die. Calls God a liar. And then he goes on to intimate that God is holding out on Adam and Eve something good. He said, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He said, God is trying to hold out on you. When you look at that, you realize what Satan was doing. He was painting a picture of God that really was a painting a picture of himself. And what he did at the beginning of time, he still does very effectively in your mind. You're going through somebody, something. Who do you blame? Oh God, me. First thing in your brain, God, he's abandoned me. He doesn't love me. Just slap yourself. Something happens to you. Listen, you say, well, you know, God, why would God allow this? Stop for a moment and think. I know that's hard to do sometimes. God is not the only will in the universe. You have a will. There's about, what, six billion wills on the planet now? Satan has a will. Those six billion are all fallen, so their wills are fallen. And people do evil things to one another. You say, well, it's God's fault. He could have stopped it. Yeah, he can stop all evil. He can stop it. Twelve o'clock midnight tonight. If he decides to stop all evil, all he has to do is take out all the selfishness in this world. The only problem is, is how many of us will be around at 1201? Yeah, he can stop it all. One day he will. But it'll be over. He didn't make you a robot. He made you with the capacity to love. And therefore you have... Choice. People in their fallen state have done horrible things. Don't go blaming it on God. And the devil, every time something happens, will put it in your brain it's God's fault. God's out to get you. God's unreasonable. Why would he make a law like this when all my lust wants to do this? It's because you're fallen. And God is good. In fact, I got news for you. God is gooder than you know. I invented that word. It's the only way I can explain it. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, look, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He's gooder than you know. Your brain can't even comprehend his goodness. And when Adam and Eve believed Satan, darkness fell across this world and fell even into our own soul. And God from that moment till today is attempting to bring his light A revelation of His goodness to our darkened world. So over and over and over and over again, He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you think about Christmas, you think about the extravagance of God wanting to show his goodness. We, as many, there was a group from from here that went with me to Israel. It's just so much fun fun to see them. And, uh, you know, I've been to Israel a lot of times now. I've always gone to the place where Jesus was born, Bethlehem. And, uh, He's born in a cave, and there's a little silver star there. And, and, but this year, for the first time, I knelt down and I put my, thing, my hand, because there's a, there's a drop of about an inch or so between where the star is and the original place, which is 2,000 years ago, two, about four and a half inches, I don't know how long, for, the floor of the cave, the actual floor of the cave. Which is about 2,000, you know, you're touching something 2,000 years old. So I figured, I think I'll try that this time. You think about it. Why did he come? John writes about it. He says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life and the life was the light of man. And then he goes on and he says these words. And the word became flesh. Now listen. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The goodness of God. In the person of his son. Personified goodness. That's why he exposed hypocrisy. That's why he cast out demons. That's why he had compassion on the multitudes and fed 20,000 people at one time. That's why as he was walking through a town and a widow woman had lost her only son, he raised that son from the dead. He had compassion. The goodness of God. That's why sickness fled. The goodness of God. God is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. He's good. Don't lose that revelation. Don't you allow the devil to distort the true picture of who God is. He's good and he's good all the time. How do you live in the glory of God every day? You declare his goodness every day. I want you to write eight things down real quickly. First, is accept Jesus as your Savior. You'll never know the goodness of God unless you've received Christ as your Savior. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking a revelation of God on a personal basis to you because you've accepted Him in your life. Secondly, you need to praise God for His goodness every day. Praise Him every day. Paul and Silas, when they were in jail, they were in there for doing something good. They cast a demon out of a girl and they got beaten up and thrown in jail. Now, most ministers would have resigned right there. Many pastors have resigned for much less. But instead of complaining and murmuring, they're in there singing to God. And God joins them and sets them free. Make it a habit every day you get up. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I praise you, Lord, for you are good. Thirdly, pray every day. You say, well, pastor, why? Because when you pray, you are declaring the goodness of God. You see, prayer is a privilege. God invites you to come before his throne of grace. He is giving you access to Him. When you don't pray, you are saying God is not good. And you're relying on yourself. Now let's get real. When I was a real young man, I picked up my my dad's Bible. It was a Bible he'd given to me and he'd written in the flyleaf of it these words. If a minister of the gospel doesn't pray two hours a day, he's not worth a dime. And I looked at that and figured I was worth about a penny. You know, I prayed, but it wasn't very much. But when I was, that was over 45 years ago, I said, if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. And I I used to study everything I could study about prayer. I mean, I think I read every book that was ever written on prayer at the time. And some of those books on prayer were horrible. Absolutely horrible. I remember one book. It said, now before you pray, you've got to see yourself as a worm. You've got to confess all your sins. And I remember, by the time I finished trying to confess all my sins and seeing myself as a worm, I didn't want to pray anymore. I didn't have any faith for anything. Just being honest. And finally one day I realized, the Bible says, come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Come on, somebody shout! I'll never forget another book I read. It was horrible. I mean, horrible stuff. Horrible stuff. And so, This one book. Oh, my. He said, now be careful what you pray about. Because... You may pray for something that's not good for you. And God may give it to you. And you won't like it. And I go, oh no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. And so I began to pray, oh God. Don't give it to me if it's not really good. And I do all these gymnastics when I pray. You know, like, now, God. I don't know if this is really what I should be praying about, but if it is, wonderful. If it's not, cancel it. You know what I'm talking about. You've read the same book. And I was doing that mental gymnastics one day and praying, and finally God just spoke to me. He said, son, stop it. And he said these words that changed my life. He said, I... Can say no. I said you can. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That means I can pray for anything. <laughs> and if it's not good for me. you will say no. Oh. Faith arose in my heart. And when he says no. I just read. Okay Lord. Let's work on this together. How do you want me to pray this thing? when you pray and when you make it a habit most of you look at prayer like you do the dentist's office nobody hangs out at the dentist's office you only go there when you have a toothache and some of you the only time you ever pray is when you got a problem shame on you god's good You want to rub shoulders with him? All you can. You want to take time with him? All you can. You want to make it a habit in your life? All you can. I'm so thrilled that you've begun early morning prayer meetings and some people are even showing up. Wow! That's amazing. That brings me to the fourth thing. You still with me? Should I stop right now? I flew a long way, so I better finish it, I guess. Accept Jesus, praise him every day. Pray, but fourthly testify of his goodness. All of you have had God do wonderful things in your life you need to share it with people because when you declare the goodness of god you break the distortion over the minds that so many people have of god i was 17 years old i just graduated from high school in the philippines and i wanted to go to college in the united states my parents were missionaries there they pastored One of the largest churches in the nation today. It's a church of over 30,000 people gathered. And a friend of mine had mentioned to me how that if you were an American citizen, you could go to the American embassy and there wait for an American ship to come in. And if, for example, when the ship came to another port and a sailor missed the ship, when the ship came to a new port, the captain would go, to the American Embassy and hire on American citizens to take that sailor's place. So I'd been waiting, 17-year-old boy, in the American Embassy for about two weeks. Wow. Never forget the day. It was a rainy day in Manila, flooding up to the knees. A ship's captain walked in, and he pointed to me. He said, you, and he pointed to another man. He said, you, meet me at the pier in one hour the ship leaves. I was hired. Well I hailed down a taxi and went home. My parents weren't home. I grabbed all my stuff and just as I was leaving they came. They put me in their vehicle and we went to the pier. Didn't even get to kiss my little sister goodbye and I was gone. Never knew if I'd ever see my parents again or see any of the people that I loved again I was gone. I'd happened to get on a ship that had been chartered by the American government to unload cargo in Vietnam. This was the height of the Vietnam War in 1967. I'm a 17-year-old boy on a shipload full of perverts. One guy had VD 12 times. There was only one other Christian on board the ship. He worked in the engine room, and I never saw him. And all these guys did at every port, was fornicate and spend their money on booze. That's all they did. I'm a 17-year-old boy. I get angry. When people say, oh, I can't live for God. Give me a break. You can live for God anywhere if you choose to. I would get at the back of that ship when I didn't have to work with my ukulele and I would sing. And I'd praise God and I would pray. One of the things I prayed for, I said, God, if it's possible, I'd sure love to have you turn this ship around so I could get to see my parents again before I go to the United States. Our ship went to Vietnam. Never forget the first night we were in Vietnam. We stopped in a bay, out in the bay, and a little little boat would take us to shore if we wanted to have leave. And it was a Wednesday night, I remember, and I said, boy, I want to be in church. I'm a 17-year-old boy crying to be in church. It was a rainy night that night. I'll never forget it. I got on shore, and, and I hitchhiked in an American Jeep to a to a chaplaincy service that was going on. I sat in the back and I was cold because I was sopping wet and I took magazines and newspapers that were there in the back and I stuck them under my shirt to just stay warm. I don't remember what the preacher preached but I was in church. I get very angry when people have no love to be in the house of God. You're sick. Let's call it what it is. You're sick because if you loved God, you'd want to be in His house. I'm a 17-year-old boy, and at every port, I searched out a church. That night, I got back to the pier only to find out that because of sniper fire, the little boat that took us out to the ship was canceled. I'm a 17-year-old boy in the middle of a war zone with no place to go. I remember crawling in a hut, no floor, dirt. There was a table, and I figured, well, if, if uh, the Viet Cong starts shooting, at least if I crawl under that table, maybe I'll survive. So I crawled under that table, and I said to God, I said, God, I'd sure like to wake up tomorrow morning. Well, he answered my prayer. <laughs> Got back on board the ship that morning, and then we went to Quinam, Vietnam, began to unload cargo. Something very strange happened. The ship began to get low on water. And the reason it was strange is because that same ship had been in Manila Harbor for two weeks to get on all supplies. I didn't hear about it leaving till an hour before it left, but... It had been there getting all supplies for its trip. But somehow somebody missed the fact of the water. And they were getting low on water. The barge that was supposed to come up the day to fill us up with water didn't show. And the next day we left Vietnam low on water. And I remember going to one of the officers. I said, is it possible we could go back to Manila to get water? And he said, no, it's impossible. He said, look, he said, Manila is off charter. When the ship goes off charter, the people who own the ship have to pay the American government $3,000 a day because it's chartered by the American government. And they're the ones who give the instructions as to where the ship goes. Two days out of Vietnam, we were headed for Manila. Oh, was I so excited. But you know, there's always those who will pop your bubble. Happened to be talking to the same officer. He said, oh, listen, yeah, I know we're going to Manila, but the barge is going to come up, fill us up. We'll be gone in three hours. Nobody will even get cleared from the ship. I said, God, if you're turning the ship around to go to Manila, you're going to find a way for me to get off this ship. Never forget it. We came into Manila Bay. If you've been there, you'll notice that in the harbor there in Manila, there's a breakwater. We were so far out that we were past the bake water. We were way out there. And there were many ships in the harbor that day. And we came in in late afternoon after closing time for customs officials. And sure enough, the barge came up and began to fill us up with water. And I was overlooking the deck. And I happened to notice a little boat. It looked like a tugboat, but it was smaller than a tugboat. And he came alongside our ship. And a guy got off. I didn't know what in the world that was. But about 15 minutes later, the captain makes this announcement. The ship has been cleared of customs. You have three hours off. Well, I had to work that night, but God had mercy on me. Somebody was willing to take my place. And I'll never forget getting on shore in Manila. 17-year-old boy, so excited. But I was in for a shock. I hailed down a taxi and I went home. The youth group in the church had been planning a farewell party for a friend of mine by the name of Frankie Lane who had been stationed in Sangley Point. Those of you that were in the Navy know there's a little naval station there near Manila. and He was on his way home back to the United States and they'd planned a party for him. And they were planning a party for me but I hopped up and left. The very night I came in They were having a farewell party for Frankie Lane, an honorary farewell party for me, at my house the moment I walked in. Everyone was there. I was shocked. They were shocked. We all were shocked. Got to kiss my mom and dad and sister goodbye, greet all my friends got back on that ship and I thought I'm a 17 year old boy that God has revealed his goodness to you think you think of all the times for that ship to run out of water it ran out of water in Vietnam out of all the times for the barge not to come it didn't come that day out of all the cities in the entire world for that ship to go to it went to Manila out of all the times for the customs officials to be working overtime. They worked that day overtime. Out of all the ships in the entire harbor, they cleared our ship. Out of all the times to have a party, they had it in my house. At the very moment I walked in, that's a God thing. God revealed his goodness to a 17-year-old boy. And I would tell that story for years. Testify of it. God is good. If you've got a problem with that, slap yourself because something's wrong with your brain. God's good. He's good all the time. It brings me to the fifth thing. Repent quickly when you sin. Don't linger. You say, why? Repent quickly. You say, why? Because the longer you stay in your sin, the greater the distortion gets in your mind. You will miss the goodness of God. If I do something stupid, I mean I immediately repent. I'm not going to let the devil distort the picture of God in me. Amen. Sixth. Endeavor to be good. We're called to be good. At the end of every conversation, I always say, be good. I say, why do you say that? Because that's what we're called to do. Jesus said, let your light so shine among men. That they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You are the declaration of the goodness of God on this planet. So be good. Ask God to help you be good. He can change you. You know, be careful when you judge others. I get so upset with people who go, well, if you were a Christian, you would do it this way. Oh, stop it. You know, some people, when they were born, they slapped their mama when they were born. They were mean when they came out. they have been mean their whole life. Just plain mean. And they come to Christ, and Christ changes them Dramatically. But that change may be different than what Christ did in you. I mean, for somebody to just tolerate you, that's a miracle of God's grace. <laughs> I mean, before they would have shot you and killed you and been done over with it. They was so mean. But God, Christ is changing. him, and you're sitting there judging. Well, if you were really a Christian. Oh, stop it. You endeavor to be good. Number seven, you still with me? Serve the Lord gladly. Because he's good, he will reward you. I said he will reward you. In Ephesians 6, 8, it says, because everyone, for whatever good he does, the Lord will reward him. That's why I'm a big giver. And God has rewarded me greater than anything I've ever given him. And I'll get in your face and say, be a giver. Oh, pastor, you're offending me. Good. Somebody needs to do that. Because you've got a distorted thinking about money. Money is given to you for a purpose, to advance God's kingdom. He doesn't have a problem with you having a big house. Or a fancy car or diamonds or whatever you like. My goodness, he made heaven with streets of gold. Think about it. Why would he make heaven of streets of gold? He's not impressed with gold. You are. He made it for you. So he doesn't have a problem with all the glitter and all that stuff. Have as much as you want. But don't be selfish. Because if you will be a giver of your time, Your talent. Your resources. God will reward you in greater ways. And please don't make Pastor Daniel have to congratulate you. Every time you do something. For fear you'll get offended if he doesn't pat you on the back. Now the boy's a good boy. He's really a good man. He's a great man. And he's going to endeavor to try to tell you how wonderful you are. But if he misses you on an occasion. Keep in mind who you're serving. And the Lord sees what you do. He saw you working in that nursery when that baby barfed on you. He saw those dirty diapers you changed. Pastor Daniel didn't see it. He doesn't know. What you're going through. But God does. And He'll reward you. I'm you know, listen, we all want to be appreciated. At every sermon I'll always turn to my wife, say, Honey, how'd I do? And she'll go, You did good. I feel better now. (laughs) We're all crazy like that. We all need to be affirmed. I understand that. But friend, keep in mind who we're serving. That brings me to the last thing. And that is live in hope. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? No matter what's happened to you in life, Once you know God is good there's always hope. And Paul the Apostle writes in Romans 8.28 And we know that God is working for our good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. You know what the most important phrase of that verse is? And we know. And we know. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I know one thing That if I obey God and I love him, he'll turn whatever mess I've made into good. Things that others have done to me that no one can change, God can change it. If I love him and I'll obey him. God gave you a pastor that loves God passionately and attempts to obey him. You do the same. Because he knows what God did in his life. And I know what God did in his life. (laughs) And I say, God does miracles. (laughs) I better stop. Can I tell you one more story? Yeah. I was moved deeply about a year ago when a friend of mine, Randy Hirsch, shared the story of a member of his family. The story was so impacting that it was written up in one of Jim Simba's books, Pastor of the Brooklyn Tab. Randy Hurst has an aunt. Her name is Aggie. Aggie Hurst. I believe she's gone home to be with the Lord, if I'm not mistaken. Aggie, when she was born, she was born in the Belgian Congo to Swedish missionaries. Her birth name was Ina Flood. Her mom and dad had gone to the Belgian Congo. And had labored there and had only seen one convert. It was a boy who delivered chicken to the family. And Svia, Ina's mother, led him to the Lord. Soon after Ina was born, the mother got sick and died. And uh, the father was so angry at God that he left the mission field and went back to Sweden and he felt like he could not raise Ina so he gave Ina to another missionary family there in the Belgian Congo by the name of the Eriksons a Swedish family they adopted her and one day brother Erikson had a dream in the dream God showed him that he would have very little time to live he would be poisoned by the locals which is what they were doing So to protect Ina, he gave Ina to an American family by the name of the Bergs. They adopted her, and sure enough, the Ericsons were poisoned and died. They changed Ina's name to Aggie, and they came to the United States. and She was raised in a Christian home. She went to Bible school, and there she met her husband, D. V. Hurst, great ministers of the gospel. One day, DV was invited to be at the World Pentecostal Conference when it was held in London. He'd invited his wife to go, but she didn't want to go. But at the last minute, she decided she would go. And so she went. When she got there, she was shocked. Because one of the speakers was a man from Africa who had been born in the very town that she was born in. And he got up and he told the story of a tremendous revival that took place in that part of Africa where thousands of people have come to the Lord. A people movement, whole tribes have come to God. She was so overwhelmed by it that at the end of the service she went up to the speaker and said, you were born in the very town I was born in. And he said, well, he said, what is your name? She said, well, my birth name was Ina Flood. My mother is buried there. Her name was Svia Flood, and when she said the name Svia Flood, this man began to burst into tears. He said, "I'm a convert of your mother." He said, "Her mom's grave is sacred to our people. It's kept up every day." She was so overwhelmed by how God had turned something so tragic into something good that she said we've got to go find dad so her and dv went to sweden to try to find her dad they got to the town where she knew the family came from she looked in the directory and she found the name flood and so she went to the door and knocked on the door and the door opened and there was a young lady just about her age that was splitting image of who she was she thought she was looking in a mirror It was her half-sister. Her dad had gone back to Sweden and married her mom's sister. And standing in front of her was her half-sister, looked just like her. They were both shocked and shared. And then finally she asked the question, do you know where dad is? She said, well, yeah. He lives in a hut down the street. He's been the town drunk for all these years, far away from God, far away from everyone. So she went and knocked on the door and walked in. He thought it was her half-sister and called her half-sister's name. She said, no, I'm Ina, and he began to weep. He was laying in bed because he was very sick. She led her father to the Lord that day and two months later he passed away and he's in heaven today. When Randy was telling me that story I thought only God only God can turn something so tragic into something good. You never ever give up hope as a believer because we serve a good God. Somebody stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air and begin to praise him for his goodness. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. You are a good God. You are worthy of all praise. Oh! Lord, you're so good. You're good to me. Holy Spirit, you are here to touch us in our need. Oh, come on, people, pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the Lord is present. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. God. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. You're good. You're so good. I praise you, Lord. There are people here that you've gone through situations and you're wondering, could God ever turn it to good? I'm here to tell you, if you believe He'll turn it to good, He will. If you'll obey Him and you'll serve Him and you'll love Him, He'll turn it to good. How many of you say, Pastor, you're talking about me? Let me see your hand. Lift it up high. Leave it it raised. I want to pray for you right now. Come on, believe God's going to turn it. Come on, believe with me. God's going to turn it to good. Lord, I declare today that every hand represents faith, that you're a good God, and you're gonna turn this situation to good. You're gonna do it, God, you're gonna do it. It ain't over till it's over. You're the one who calls it over. And Lord, we declare that, Lord, you're gonna do something marvelous for every person who are under the sound of my voice tonight. You're gonna turn things to good. You're gonna turn it to good. You're gonna turn it to good. You're going to turn it to good. Just feel so strongly. How many of you have unsaved loved ones? Lift your hand. Come on, begin to intercede for them right now. God can turn it to good. Father, we come right now for these. It may be a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. An uncle, an aunt. What you did for Aggie Hurst, you can do for us. God, intervene, I pray. I pray that that son would return, that daughter would return, that grandchild would serve you. I pray, O oh God, that hardened hearts would turn to flesh. Minds that have been deceived would have revelation of your goodness. And I praise you and I thank you. Jesus 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 Everyone, every head bowed, please, everyone praying. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, please don't turn away the goodness of God. You don't need to live in your sin anymore. God didn't make hell for you. He made hell for the devil and his angels, but you'll go there if you reject him and you reject his goodness. He made heaven for you. But you need to receive him in your life. With every head bowed, everyone praying, you'd say, Pastor Morocco, tonight I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to allow the goodness of God to permeate my life. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, slip your hand up right now, quickly, all over the auditorium. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Yes, God bless you, sir. Are there others? Don't want to miss anyone. Put your hands down. You say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I drifted away. I'm not where I should be with God. But I want to come home. I need to come home. I need to come back to the Lord. Pastor, include me in your prayer. If that be you, slip your hand up real high. Quickly, quickly. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you back there. guests. God bless you. So many, raise their hands. Everyone look at me just a moment, please. I pray for you. I cry out to God that Alaska will have a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. That what God's doing in Hawaii, He'll do here in Alaska as well. Those of you that raised your hand, you're part of the answer to that prayer. God is reaching out to you. Now I know that you can give your heart to the Lord right where you're standing. I've led people to the Lord. I love to work out with weights. I've I've led people to the Lord in workout rooms. I've led people to the Lord on airplanes and on cars and on streets. But I'm also very well aware of the fact that Jesus said he will be judging the living and the dead. He will judge all mankind the bible says and on that judgment day jesus made it clear he said if you confess to me before men i will confess you before my father and on judgment day i want jesus to look at me and say jim morocco you belong to me i want him to say the same thing to you call you by name and tell the universe that you're his So I want to help you tonight. I know you can give your heart to the Lord right where you're standing, but I'm going to ask you to openly confess your desire for Jesus. Because if you can't openly express Him as your Savior in this place, which is dedicated to Him among people that love you and love God, you'll never do it out there. So the moment we begin to sing, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. If you raised your hand, whether you're coming to the Lord for the first time or you're coming back to the Lord, I want you to take a second step because I want it cemented in your heart. Tonight is my night of getting right with God. So would you come? Come right now. Come on. Lord, I give you my heart. Come on. Come on. Would you come, come on, this is your time. You raised your hand and you meant it. Make it a hundred percent. Come on. give you my I give you my Come on, there's room for you. Come on. Lord, have your way in me In a moment, Pastor Daniel is going to come and lead you in what we call the sinner's prayer. It's not just words. It's a heart expressing to God what you believe. He's going to be here every day. He'll minister life to you along with this great team. I leave tomorrow to go to California to preach again. Then I get back home to go to all the islands and preach again in all the places. But he's here along with this team. and He'll help you grow in God. So would you join him as, and everyone in the house. Would you <coughs> allow Pastor Daniel to lead us all in a prayer of commitment to Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on pray. Right out
0: loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Thank you that he rose again from the grave for me. I ask you tonight to come into my life and forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God? Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would fill and touch each and every one of these. Break every bondage and every chain fill them full of your spirit use them for the purpose for which they've been created we thank you bring healing right now bring peace to those that are confused And thank you tonight that hell has been shunned and heaven has been gained because of all that you've done And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Put your hands together for God, won't you?
1: Now those of you that came forward for the first time or you renewed your faith in the Lord, would you be certain to see these pastors and ministers and say, hey, I gave my heart to the Lord? You got somebody that'll stand here in the front after the service that'll do that? So some of you ministers and people that help just stand here in the front and they'll come up and they'll give you something would you be seated be seated with me amen did you receive something from the lord tonight i'm going to ask you to join me in doing something and um, you know i've i've been on this tour i've been to uh, branson missouri to our new work there i've been to arkansas oh my god is God's doing such incredible things. You think he's doing something great here? He's doing things all over in KC. One of my biggest problems is I've got to buy more buildings. In fact, I hear we're having to build a new building here. I was in Arkansas, and I was in Enid, Oklahoma, and I was in Texas. And, of course, I was in... I was in, uh, we opened our new building in uh, Lebanon, Oregon, yes. Sunday morning, yesterday morning. <clears throat> Dedicated that to the Lord, and then I was in Seattle last night, of course with you, and then I fly to California, and then all through the islands. And everywhere I've gone, I've always tried to receive a special offering for the need of that particular work, way beyond the and offering. Now let me share a need that you have here. You may not be aware of it. You're trying to reach souls for Jesus. And I'm so thrilled you are. One of the things you're doing is you're putting on a show that is a profound show, Birthday of the King. You've done it before a few years ago. But this year, the team here has decided to up it, and they're buying lights. And uh, lights that can be used in the new building. They got faith, amen, that that new building will be built soon. Somebody say, any faith in the house. Amen. And, of course, they want to advertise it. And it's going to cost. Let me, I'm telling you exactly what it's costing. It's costing $18,000. Sunday morning when you, Pastor Daniel took an offering, one person in the church here committed to give $10,000, for which I'm very thankful. And I praise God. For that person. And the rest of the congregation gave an offering of about 2,000. So we're about 6,000 short. You know, we could raise 6,000 tonight. It's not a big amount of money. My wife and I have given in every extension. In fact, (laughs) when I was in Oregon, they needed chairs, so my wife and I bought a lot of chairs we're going to give in this offering because this is family you're my family and I'm part of your family hello and we need to get this done and you're a blessed people and you are aware that pastors are supposed to command that's what it says in first Timothy command those who are rich to give so I'm commanding you you say i'm not rich yes you are i was born in calcutta you're very wealthy when i was a boy i'd walk in the train station people would be sleeping on this train some would be dead i didn't know who was asleep and who was dead people would starve no you're very wealthy and tonight we could receive six thousand dollars i'm going to do my part i want you to do your part is that is that fair some of you could give a thousand some could give 500 some could give a hundred i want the ushers to come real quickly please and if You need an envelope? Give an envelope to my wife. I gave her my checkbook. She's a generous lady. Everybody do something. Everybody do something. And I'm hoping for a good report, Pastor Daniel. You know, Pastor Alex asks for a lot. I said, Pastor, we got to have these lights and these lights. I said, Pastor Alex, give me a break. Yeah, you have not because you ask not. Oh, Jesus, help me. Well, it's wonderful. So I'm looking forward to having it. Hey, we've got a hand up in the air over here. Come on, ushers, help me out. Got a hand in the air. He's going to put a million dollars in. Praise Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Are you ready? Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe for souls to be saved. It ain't about lights. It's about souls. So you're going to believe with me for souls saved. Put your hand on your offering. Write it out to KC. We're going to believe for souls. All right? Let's pray. Now, Father, I thank you that tonight we have the opportunity to show your goodness to our world of Wasilla by declaring how you came in robes of flesh died on a cross and rose again and uh, I'm so thrilled that your people are going to give for souls to be saved may many souls be saved may this show be the greatest one that this church has ever put on Bless everyone who's involved, all hundred of them. And Lord, I thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now when you're finished, just get up and just put it in the box. We're going to worship God. Come on. To our God
2: we lift up one voice. To our God we lift up one song. To our God we lift up one voice. Singing hallelujah. To our God we lift up one voice. To our God we lift to our God we lift up one voice. Singing hallelujah. To our God we lift up one voice. To our God we lift up one, to our, God we lift up one voice. To our God we lift up one
0: voice. To our God we lift up one voice. Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your voice. Worship Him. Sing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Ushers, would you come, please? You know, uh, doctor, if you would, please. Every time you've come, there's been a release of miracles. Um, Every time you come, we've had marked, notable healings and breakthrough. And I just believe, I know you've traveled a lot. and I know you're tired. I believe if you just pray. Right now, I believe that gift of faith operates. How many of you need a miracle? Some of you guys need miracles. You came for one tonight. You're going to get it.
1: There's someone here who's been having pain in this part of your body. And um, I want you to come. It could be your heart. It could be your esophagus. It could be your stomach. It could be even your lungs. Where are you? Come quickly. Come stand here. There's someone else who's been having pain on the right side of your neck. It's right in this area of your body. It kind of radiates up into this area. It's been there for a little while. You've been concerned about it. Quickly come. Someone who's been having problems, interestingly enough, with your gums. It seems like there's an infection there, and it seems like it's not seemingly going away. Quickly come. God has a healing for you. There's somebody else who's been having problems. In fact, there's a number of you have been having problems with your legs and your feet, your knees, your uh, toes. Your, there's been pain in that part of your body. Quickly come. Hallelujah. somebody who has an unusual condition it's like a nerve that's not working right and it kind of you kind of feel like there's a shock that kind of comes through your body I don't kind of comes through your arm and at times even even down your back and in your leg it's kind of a strange thing and I don't know what that's about but God has a healing for you quickly come now I want everyone who needs healing just lift your hands in the air right now whether you're here in the front or not Pastor Daniel, Pastor Colleen come and all the pastors if you're not standing in fact if you are standing they're fine, come God will heal you while you're praying for others everybody let's pray and you lay hands on these come on, just lay hands on them Shabbat eti matetu lord you're the god of miracles you're the god of more than enough ministers you come to lay hands on these quickly come lord you're the god who moves on our behalf in great measure you're the god who cares about us you love us you're a good god and it's out of your goodness that healing flows and we declare healing is the children's bread we declare that healing is being released in this house tonight and there will be testimonies of your goodness. That knee's being healed, that bladder's being healed, that nerve problem's being healed, that neck is being healed, the back's being healed, the hearing is opening, the eye that has a distorted vision is being healed right now. Person with a skin condition on the top of their head, that's being healed right now. Pain in the feet and the legs are going now. Shabbat, that hip is being healed now. Rama, that arthritis is going now. power of the Lord is present to heal. That esophagus problem, that lung problem, that heart problem is being healed now in the mighty name of the Lord. And Lord, I thank you for your healing touch. You are our healer. And you sent your word to heal us. And by your stripes... We are healed. We are healed. We are healed. Shabba, Shabati, Shabalaram, my patty, Shabalaram, my Shabati, Shabba-ti. Shabbat, Shabalaram, my tete. Honey, come here, have her come here. Sweetheart, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, stand right here. That's doing more than just healing your body. He's doing things inside your heart and in your life. And there's some things that have been kind of weighing you down and you've been concerned about. But God is going to bring you into a new level of freedom and joy and excitement. And your body's going to be refreshed. You said, oh, I needed that. The power of God's on you right now, honey. Shabba. Spirit of the Lord, come upon her in power and in light. Refresh her, renew her. She loves you. She loves you deeply, Lord. And the very cry of her heart, fulfill. Not only in the healing of her body, but in healing in every area of her life. Renew her and refresh her. Bring her into a new level of freedom. Thank you, Lord. Wow. That's the presence of the Lord. You know. In a service like this, <clears throat> it's easy to receive. I want you to do one more thing before we leave. I want all my pastors and ministers to come stand here. Please just come up to the front stand here. Everybody look at me. <clears throat> God's going to give us the state of Alaska. not of anything good in us. There's been an awful lot of people praying for this state long before we even showed up on the planet. You know that, don't you? Pioneers of faith that have cried out to God for a mighty revival. We just happen to be living at this moment in time and believing that God wants to do what all those have been praying about and we're going to join them in our prayers and we're going to believe God. And God will raise up Casey in this moment to lead a mighty revival in this state. And it won't just be for a moment. It will build. And it will build. And it will build. You're going to be a part of it. You understand something. The greatest privilege man or woman could ever have is to be used by God. There's nothing greater in life. You get that privilege. And I want you to reach your hands out to these pastors and ministers. Let's pray for a special anointing on them. Pastor Colleen, come. Lay hands on these right now. Father, I'm asking tonight, just lay hands on all of them. I'm asking God that tonight would be a night where an anointing that comes upon these pastors and ministers will break yokes. I pray God that there will be a freedom in their ministry for them to do great exploits in your mighty name. And that time and time again as they stand to minister <clears throat> before you, your presence, your glory, your power would come upon them. They would minister in the unction of the Holy Ghost. Lives would be changed and transformed. I pray for a special mantle of leadership and faith upon Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen. May they lead this team with a passion. May many rise up out of this church that will carry the torch of the gospel to this state and to our world. And I thank you for it. And I praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. It's been a joy. Don't miss Wednesday night. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you. Lift up His countenance and give you peace. We love you. Praise God.